listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts, Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hi, folks. I'm really excited that we've got Sarah Jane Scouten on the podcast today. My first real experience with her was, uh, I don't, um, 2011, 2012, I'm trying to place the year. It was, I think it was shortly after... She recorded her first record, Magpie Waltz, with a good friend of mine, James Finnerty, and her band, which is uh, Sarah Frank, Luke Fraser, and Matt Lacombe on the bass. And uh, so we played a gig at Mainline Theatre. I had heard of Sarah Jane Scout, and her name was, she was getting buzz in the Montreal scene. And it's funny, because we kind of, her and I kind of came up together in Montreal. We both moved there in 2010 and started working on music full-time, so there's a lot of parallels there. But I was playing mandolin in a band called The Custom Outfit. And I'd heard some of Sarah's music, some recordings from her album, but I didn't really connect. And we talked later about how, for us, we don't it, we have a hard time connecting to, uh, to recorded music. And, and, and especially when it's something operating within the folk tradition, it's really not going to hit very hard unless someone plays it for us, unless we hear it in person, unless it's being transmitted from person to person. So I'm pretty sure I'd heard some of her music, but I didn't really, it didn't really stick. Um, and I think I just packaged her away with um, any number of, of artists, songwriters, and bands who operate within a rigidly folkloric setting, like whether you're doing traditional bluegrass or old-time music or, you know, Appalachian music. Uh, I n- never really was attracted to people who do a specific thing so well because I felt it had it wasn't contemporary and didn't have a you know personality Uh, but then what happened was so Custom Outfit was playing a gig with Sarah Jane Scouten and her band at the Mainline Theatre in Montreal and I was just sitting down and didn't know what I was expecting and then they did their set and god damn they just I was amazed like not you know, initially I was just amazed by the quality of her band, like her, the musicianship that, that she's attracted, have the musicians she's brought in are so brilliant, which is the word she chooses to use as well. Um, but by the end of the set, you know, there's a song called Bad Weather, and I think that's the first song really grabbed me, and I realized that this, there's something special here. She is operating within this old-time setting, and she does a fantastic job of writing these truly traditional-sounding melodies, which, you know, I wish I could write like that. Her melodic construction is amazing, um, and her music sounds so timeless, but it's also so distinctly, you know, Sarah Jane, and it has so much character and personality, and in a lot of ways it is very contemporary, just because... She she's bringing something to the table there. So and yeah, so like I said, we came kind of came up together in Montreal. Um, one of my favorite memories is when Max and I were on tour in August, and Sarah was in Montreal at the time touring with a guy named T Claw from Tennessee. He was a professional square dance caller who was doing some American dates and did a couple, I think, in Ontario. Uh, ended up in Montreal for a few days, and uh, 
Sarah had a wedding. A couple of her bandmates were getting married to each other. So Max and I invited T-Claw to come along with us and play down at the farmer's market. And we took turns just swapping tunes, leading tunes and playing all these Appalachian fiddle music. And it was just a hell of a time. Uh, and then Sarah met up with us again and we all went out for Montreal bagels with cream cheese and smoked salmon. And with no word of exaggeration, it it brought the food brought T-Claw, this large Tennessee square dance caller, southern man, brought him to tears, this food. So it's always a good hang with Sarah. I mean, now she's been in and out of Toronto. I'm living down in Toronto now, so we run into each other every once in a while. And, uh, and so beyond just, beyond getting her on the podcast, it was also just a great excuse to hang out, you know, have some lunch together. There's a lot of conversation that you're not going to hear on the podcast because we just hadn't pressed record yet. I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff in there that's disappeared into the ether, but I think we got a nice interview here where we cover a lot of really interesting ground, and I hope you think so too. So let's get to the interview. This is Sarah Jane Skelton on I Quit My Job. Well, you open up your heart and your breast pocket, and you'll put on your layers every morning rise. I've been flying over water for such a long time now. I've been looking for a good place to land, but everywhere's closed due to bad weather. Is this going to be your first time touring the UK coming up? No, no. Um, this is our second time, my second time touring the UK. Uh, I took Sarah and Luke last year. Yeah. And I uh, mm-hmm. met lots of great people, including my booking agent, um, James Partridge. And he's, uh, yeah, put together a bunch of really great shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I see Darren over there. Yeah, yeah, I think we will. I think we will. Yeah. I, I don't know who any of these people are. Okay. <laughs> uh, how, it, how long have you been working with a booking agent? Um, since January. And how's like, that? This is the f- first tour that I've done with him. I mean, like, it's a huge relief yeah, to okay. be I've... delegating now mm-hmm. and, like, that people who have specialized in things like booking. Yeah, um, that takes up so much time and energy. It takes up most oh, yeah. of the yeah. time. I'm booking the old thoughts tour. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I hate it. It's the thing I hate most about being a musician is trying to find gigs. I know. And yeah. it's really nice to have someone advocating for you mm-hmm. um, on your behalf. You just make more money and you get treated better. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. far, so, so far it's a good experience. Yeah, but I mean, haven't, I haven't done the really tour done yet, yet, but like, he, but he's very professional, and I also know other bands who've worked with him who've been really happy, and he's also just like the funnest guy. Oh, he's yeah. kind of like this mm-hmm. sort of like grown-up British punk rocker. Oh, nice. Yeah. I knew yeah. one of those guys in Melbourne. He went and worked at it. He was the booker for a cafe, but he was from England, and oh, he yeah. just like looked the part. Like it was awesome. Totally. This yeah. guy is like I'm sure he was kind of mellow, but he's got yeah, he's got this really kind of rocking wife and stuff, and yeah, mm-hmm. I like I like their mm-hmm. family a lot. So you are, where are you from originally? I'm from Bowen Island, British Columbia. Bowen Island. I could have, I knew it was West Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's Where's even, that? Co- it's even further than the West Coast. It's it's off the coast. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. an island. Just, just yeah. barely. Um, well, islands have coasts. <laughs> even so. Yeah. And yeah. I lived on the west side of that island. So, yeah. uh, and I only swam on that side of the island. I'd be like, if I can see Vancouver, I'm not going in the water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's right near, it's right near Vancouver then. It's, oh, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. I took a ferry to high school every day oh really wow that's what cool is the, how did wow there's like a school bus <laughs> and so this a is a really small it, yeah like no nope. P- it's probably like peely island type thing where it's just a small community how long does it take to walk people? around the beach yeah 
Oh, all, all, all the way around the yeah. island that, to walk. Yeah. I mean, it's all a lot of it is unwalkable because it's like dense, dense forest. Okay. Um, and cliffs a lot. But if you wanted to say sail around it, it might take you six hours. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Bigger than Pili. Yeah, yeah, bigger than Pili. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the people, there's not many people. <laughs> there's maybe three thousand right now. Okay. Yeah. Is it? Is it a bit like uh, what's what's the I don't know Taylor's from um, uh, Maine. Maine. Maine Maine Is it a bit it's like that? Like are, are there a lot of other musicians totally. that come from there? It's like Maine, but uh, Bone Island was probably like that maybe like thirty years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, a little more developed then. Yeah, yeah. Maine is harder to get to. You've got to mm-hmm. like it's a bit of a trek, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is Taylor from Maine or is it just yeah? yeah okay, yeah. Cool. Like two, they all, both of them are. They, the are. Two. they, they all, are. all are, and they were all, like all homeschooling together. Yeah, home I think school, some of them yeah. were homeschooling together. I think all of them were, right? Yeah. Isn't that the thing that it's a big homeschool island? Like that's the that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. what Rachel said. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? yeah. Well, they um, uh, yes. So it, it, yes, it's a lot like Maine Island yeah. culturally. Yeah, big time. Oh, that's cool. All, all so how, how long were you there? Um, ten years. Ten years. I moved there when I was eight. And I left when I was 18. And my parents moved off when I was probably 20. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we go back all the time. Uh-huh. The, all of their friends are over there. And, and I'm That's I'm home. still kind of considered like a local girl. Like when mm-hmm. we do shows there, it's mm-hmm. like hometown pride. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And where'd you go first? Where did I go first? Yeah. Like yeah, when I moved off the island? I went to UBC to study philosophy. Oh. And, um, did you finish? I did. Oh, I have wow. a degree in philosophy, <laughs> which made me equipped to write songs. Uh huh. It would do that. It's a lot of a lot of high-minded thinking, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of oh, yeah. abstract thinking. A lot of abstract thinking yeah. and a lot of being like having a good vocabulary. Yeah. Not that I like use big words like yeah. like um a priori or no. not that that's a big word, but it's a conception. <laughs> uh, I think it's good to be able to use big words and so that you can know not when not to. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. In, yeah, in context. Well, it just gets you thinking in a different way, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably very advantageous to songwriting. I know, like, my personal experience in academia, that's been the case, and I'm not even in philosophy. So it's in a social science, which is a little yeah. different. But... And the cool thing about sociology is that it's so multidisciplinary. Yeah. yeah. It, well, like, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm getting a philosophical doctorate, right? So it's, yeah. it, 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 there is a lot of that. But yeah. yeah. So you find that that did that really help I with your songwriting? I think the... I think the like the writing um, uh, and being con- like the conciseness, having to be very clear about mm-hmm. what uh, I needed to get across. So, I, so, and my father's got a degree in philosophy, and so does my grandfather. So, um, so he, my dad was a very great resource when I was when I was writing, mm-hmm. um, and he'd read over my papers, and then sometimes he'd be like, "Why don't you just tell me what you're trying to say?" Mm-hmm. And I, I would put it into words, um, just you know, in in a spoken way. And then he's like, "Why don't you write that?" Yeah, because oh. it became very clear. And so, yeah, maybe maybe that came. Maybe the songwriting comes for that. I was mm-hmm. writing poetry though, like very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't very good, <laughs> but uh, never is at first. No, <laughs> no. And then I got into spoken word when I was about twenty, and I enjoyed that a lot. Um, this is before you started songwriting. Yeah. 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 My brother and sister and I are all songwriters and I'm the oldest and I started so- writing songs the last. So oh. yeah. So yeah. You, if you were 20 when you're doing spoken word, when, when did you start writing? Writing songs? Yeah. Did you play yet? <clears throat> oh yeah. I've been playing since I was okay. like okay. really little. Yeah. Um, also because of my dad, because we grew up playing like bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's funny because, okay, you grew up playing bluegrass, oh. but in a family of lawyers. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Where well, does that... Yeah, how does that work? I think my dad is like he's a 
he's a bluegrass banjo player who does lawyer who who does law things you know like (laughs) i mean i mean he's he's definitely he's a he's a very talented and passionate lawyer but he um he's got the like personality of a like a laid back musician. Yeah. That's a, nice, yeah. That's a cool combo. I know that yeah. the, the one time you and I hung out was in Windsor. Uh, mm-hmm. You played a show there and, and uh, we hung out at, at uh, Kenneth McLeod's house, which is sort of a regular party spot for visiting musicians. It's a regular but couch for me. We spent, cool. yeah, we spent the entire night, uh, you and I basically mm-hmm. courting for Lefty, yeah. playing these old yeah. folk songs. And, and I think like... Courting he, and recording. I've yeah, got and recording, recordings yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah oh, there really? you go. Oh, um, yeah, and, Lefty. and Lefty, Lefty is this encyclopedic... Uh, knowledge of folk music mm-hmm. of all kinds of music really but especially of folk music and he i remember him saying how impressed he was by like your knowledge of, of the craft and of, of folk music so like so that that all came from from your dad eh? like that well i mean maybe that was like the initial spark yeah or, or um or the like the immersion mm-hmm. that that we had and um but i've done a lot of traveling and like uh you know uh self-study mm-hmm. um as well like in the united states i've i go all over to yeah. study like old time old time music uh fiddle styles ba- ballad singing mm-hmm. um sacred harp singing yeah you're like really a really immersion stuff yeah. you know, um i could be tradition. more and i've thought about i've thought about actually formalizing it by doing like a master's degree in ethnomusicology oh, yeah. there's a couple mm-hmm. of great programs actually here in toronto um oh, that's cool. And to uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to do that someday. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and and the people who I know are doing it are inspiring me so much. Mm-hmm. And like, I love hearing about what they're learning and reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and in particular, like a focus in like Canadian folk music because um, we, I've always operated under the assumption that Canadian folk music was really lame. Yeah, um, I think that's. I think a lot of people have that impression. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, it's the kind that you do contra dancing to, and right. like some mm-hmm. people are crazy. Sing about, about maple trees and yeah, yeah. or <laughs> um, and it's just been kind of overshadowed by that, uh, by that like blues and um mm. influence from and protest from the folk south. music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I think, but I, I don't know if it's the if it's the content that isn't there or wasn't there, or if it's just sort of like, um like a PR thing, mm-hmm. right? That like America is America. And, and so we must be relatively lame. Yeah. 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 Because we're, because we're, we're comparing so, ourselves and yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean the whole world is completely swept up in the, in the, in the mythology mm-hmm. of the United States. And I always talk to my American friends about that because they perpetuate, um, the mm-hmm. mythology of the United States. They know their history so mm-hmm. much better than we do. Um, and, uh, and they know who the politicians are. Like they're, they're so active. Yeah. I, I wish that was happening in Canada. Like, you know, you know, strange bipartisanship aside. Yeah. Um, that does happen somewhat in Canada It's as well. starting to, yeah. 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 Um, that Actually, I. It's starting. It's been going on for yeah. a while, but it's getting worse. But we've got <laughs> like this sort of history of. Uh, like more of a fluidity between mm-hmm. yeah. like ideologies, and we we kind of like I know that the U.S. has this political ideology that is sort of like don't tread on me, you know. Yeah. Like, there's this sort of always oppositional sort of character to the people against the government in mm-hmm. this weird way, and, and whereas in Canada, I think that we're more just kind of willing to trust yeah. that that our leaders mm-hmm. are doing a good job. Oh, yeah, they're probably fine. Don't worry about it. Which I know is getting harder now, but that's yeah. sort of been historically how that. Yeah, it's like it's got to get bad before we actually, it, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, like, listen. Yeah. Um, anyways. 
But yeah, there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of Canadian folk music that's disappeared mm -hmm. as well. Like, especially, uh, right. I know in, um, in the Windsor area, there's a lot of fra Frank francophones that live in that area. Really? That are, that are, and and there's, no this, there's this whole tradition totally. of Southwestern like Ontario. And everything. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I mean, I knew, I, I, when I went to grade school, kind of um, in the center of uh -huh. the peninsula, and there's French families still living there. That's oh, yeah. Awesome. They still they yeah. only speak French. I think you know? that's the, like the conception that a lot of people don't have, mm -hmm. is that there is Francophone communities all, all over, over the, the country. Mm -hmm. You've got like Franco Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, I was also sort of surprised in the Yukon to discover a lot of um, of French being spoken mm -hmm. because it's not a province. It's like it is. It's a territory. Yeah. Therefore, they're automatically bilingual or like have mm -hmm. two official languages. Yeah. Um, so I guess I don't know. Maybe that it attracts more. Yeah. Well, like even the name Detroit, right? It means the Strait, like mm -hmm. the, the river that's through there. It's, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so there's this there's this tradition of folk music that's mm -hmm. actually largely disappeared. That was this sort mm -hmm. of southwestern Ontario French folk music, mm -hmm. which is and, you know, nearly, Marty Gervais nearly uh, died off. And yeah, it's now people are keeping it alive. Are there's, there's, like, there's certain there's like people. A revival? Yeah, that's well, there, I know well, that not, it's Marty Gervais, barely, but it's right. at least there's people trying. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Marty Gervais found found this woman, this older woman who had all these books and books and books of these folk songs. That were that she you know her father played yeah you know and so she's like eighty years old right. and so these are really really old songs that mm -hmm. nobody's even thought about or seen totally. for years and yeah. so there's sort of this attempt to revive that that tradition so I feel like there's a lot of Canadian folk music that just maybe it was more it was less lame you know what I mean and like yeah and it's just sort of gone by the wayside I don't know why we have this conception that it's lame it's probably yeah. that we are. Probably the entire self-deprecating. Yeah, we're self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah. We also, yeah, we think that uh, I don't know. Like, well, we 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 are sort of like we're hard on ourselves culturally. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that comes from the TV culture, where mm -hmm. it is sort of kind of it borders on pathetic at times. You know, mm -hmm. where like the CBC has been, you know, gutted to the point where they just aren't able to create the content, right? And I so know. you end up having this. Can con regulation <laughs> thing where you're just making making stuff for the sake of making it. I, I think maybe that yeah. seeps over into music or into yeah. There, uh, there have been some television shows that have been really really successful. Yeah, in, yeah, in Canada. But um, when did when was it that you discovered maybe Canadian folk music wasn't so lame after all? Uh, I I mean. There's or so I mean, many different styles. Yeah. So like there have been like these flashbulb moments. Obviously, um, mm. Lefty was the first time I really. I had that direct transmission of being like, oh my gosh, there's somebody mm. passionate about mm -hmm. this music and I can relate to them and I can relate to their style of playing. Mm -hmm. um, and so Ontario fiddling became cool for me. Or like yeah. David okay. Boulanger was the first time Quebec fiddling. Yeah, um, well, yeah, it was specifically Quebecois. Um, my cousin is a Cape Breton fiddler. And so that was cool for me um, when I was younger. My, my mother... Um, used to be uh and still does sometimes uh scottish country dancing oh, yeah. but she was like she would compete with her family <laughs> and who immigrated from scotland <laughs> and um and so I, and my granny would take us to kaylee dances okay. and uh and we and we do and we do the dances and sometimes it would be taped and sometimes it was live um but like doing folk dance was was really really fun uh for me when i when i was a kid so like there are these specific instances through which styles of Canadian music have been directly, um, have, have come to me directly through like one person or one mm -hmm. like uh, memorable 
or um, experience. Uh, just recently, I met a guy named Mike Todd who is doing a master's in ethnomusicology in York at York University, and he is um, a descendant of like Albertan cowboys, <laughs> and so he's got this passion um, regarding a lot of lost cowboy songs from Alberta okay. because he'd been told that those songs don't exist. And he said, wait, I remember my grandfather singing these songs. And mm-hmm. he said that they were from here and that his yeah. family had taught them to him. Mm-hmm. And so he is, he's digging up a lot of stuff. Um, and so as so I've been inspired that way or, um, uh, also, I, I could kind of go on, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but, u- but usually, uh, it's from one or two people, uh, or like, or some kind of, experience that i'll have that'll make a music relevant um a recording typically won't do it for me mm-hmm. no i know what you yeah. mean where uh-huh. you, it's 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 this because it's and i think that's kind of in the the heart in the history of mm-hmm. what folk music is it's when you actually transmit something from one person to another yeah. that's what really opens my mind totally. when i discover something new mm-hmm. it's when somebody mm-hmm. sits me down and gives me something yep yeah and then i'm like oh yeah. yeah, and that's and then, happening a lot in the house that I'm living in right now. Um, see, that's why I want to get a house like that. <laughs> it, yeah. It's so cool. There's, it's this crazy fiddle house. Like last night, we were all playing Swedish fiddle tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Alan Mackie in the Bombadils, um, who also plays with me and plays with Jaron Freeman Fox, he um, has been had the occasion to go to Sweden a couple of times this year and has totally fallen in love with Swedish music the way that I fell in love with um, Southern Appalachian, um, mm-hmm. old time fiddle right. styles. And he, um, and, and he's been teaching me and, and there's so many parallels and yeah, I always thought that weird. there wouldn't, there wouldn't <laughs> that be. That'd be totally foreign. Yeah. And, and the way that I've usually heard it recorded, it sounds very Baroque. It sounds very mm. like kind of inaccessible for like mm-hmm. an adult fiddler like me who learned, started learning when I was 25. And I'm like, right. I'm never going to master vibrato. I'm never going to master playing in F sharp major yeah. right um <laughs> so uh it anyways that is yeah cajun music came to me the same way yep. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so okay so you're at ubc your uh, your spoken word oh yeah and, I was and then like, what happens oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> what happened well i went to i mean i've i've always been interested in different folk musics so i um i went to do an exchange in europe uh, sorry, in Wales, actually, in mm. Cardiff. Um, and uh, in Wales, Welsh is still widely spoken. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, there's there's been a lot of effort to, uh, to revive the language, but I had friends whose first language was Welsh, mm. um, who came from the north. Mm. Um, so, so that was partly why I was ex- I was excited to go there. It was because. Uh, Wales, maybe just in my imagination, reminded me a little bit of Canada and our sort of like bilingual duality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big brother thing. As well. And the big brother thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. Even more so there. <laughs> big time. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, they're not, I mean, they've got their own parliament, but. It's not totally independent. No. Yeah, it's like Scotland where it's, they're still very much. Attached. Yeah. I mean, Scotland yeah. has got a lot more. I gather a lot more independence. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so so I went to Wales and uh, got excited about like Welsh folk music <laughs> um, at the time, but I but I was having having trouble just because it was in such a foreign language. So mm. I didn't um, I didn't really stick with it for very long. Um, 
but it's always been something in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, you should really learn some Welsh songs, man. Mm. Um, it's always that little voice. Yeah, yeah, little voice. When are you going to learn a Welsh song? I know, just when I'm going to sleep, like, learn Welsh. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, so I, so I got back, and I, at the time, I'd been going to, like, open mics in some, uh, and I'd been performing uh, out, which I realized I shouldn't have been doing if the British government had found out about it, but whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, and I was singing a lot of traditional American tunes, and then I was I was I was dating somebody who uh, was really passionate about music, and he would get frustrated by me um, singing traditional songs. He wanted me to sing original songs, oh, and at that yeah. point, mm-hmm. I'd written one song, one song that was a about um, a Romanian gypsy woman who was raped and impregnated by a uh, a Roma- Romanian nobleman. Yeah. So that's your that's the subject this of your first song. That's my first song. <laughs> you really dove in head I first. I really <laughs> went in head first. Okay, and then and then the rest of it is that it's from the perspective of her grandmother who's encouraging her to uh, kill the perpetrator in his sleep. And so she does, <laughs> and then she's stoned to death. Um, oh gosh! Wow. So that's that dark. Yeah, that yeah. was the first song I wrote, and so like you immediately had this grasp of like this old folkloric storytelling yeah. method. Like, totally. Yeah. That's yeah. what you wanted to write about. That's what I wanted to write. I wanted to write ballads from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, whether I knew it or not, that was inspired by a uh, a film that I watched called Gadjo Dilo. Um, the the music actually from that film, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, so, so that was that. But I didn't know what to do with it. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I, also, I'm like, I don't want to sing this weird, this yeah. weird song. Like, this is too heavy for most contexts. Yeah, yeah. And um, but we, my my boyfriend and I, we knew a Slovakian family, and uh, and I sang it for their for um, the mother, uh, and, the, and she loved it every yeah. time she saw me. She's like, please sing that song again. She's told me it was totally authentic, um, mm-hmm. Balkan sounding, and I was like. Thanks. Wow. I've never been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was writing Praise. lyrics in English, and you know, playing it on a guitar and not on like, like a bazooki you know, or yeah, right, right. <laughs> like or like whatever. I mean, like I feel like I'm sounding ignorant. I don't actually know what the instrumentation would be traditionally. Um, well, you can't know all traditions. I can't know them all. <laughs> I, I wish I knew more. A yeah. lot. Why don't you know more about Romanian folk music? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. I need to hang out with you. You're out of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> done. Done. Um, um, so that was the first song that I that yeah. I wrote. So my question is: Is that uh, looking back now? Mm-hmm. Do you, was that a good song? Yeah, um, I think it is. I used it for that show that Darren Edens and I were in really? um, with Christopher Weatherstone uh, called "Drink with Death." Man, it was so many years before I ever wrote any good songs. Yeah. Well, it was like, I, how old was I then? Maybe twenty-two. See, that might be something to do with it too. Uh-huh. You'd waited, and you'd were so immersed in in folk traditions that you kind of knew what a good song was. Like, I, 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 think I, I feel point, like yeah. I feel like for those of us who started maybe a bit younger, you know, we tried. We didn't really know what the hell we were doing. Yeah. We just sort of yeah. tried things. Yeah. Know? Whereas, whereas you had a good idea of what a good folk song oh, was. And it's not like I, I had written some shitty song. Pardon, I don't know if I'm allowed to. Oh yeah, yeah. you're allowed. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had written some shitty songs, but they didn't stick. Yeah. And so that's what happens to me now is that I usually don't finish a song. If, yeah. Unless, unless I know it's, it's going to be something mm-hmm. I'm going to want to continue to sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it for me too. 
yeah. my success rate's getting higher. I'm writing less frequently. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm writing. When you write a song, it's a good you song. You know when it's right. Yeah. yeah, you know when it's right. Because I give it I give up more quickly now. I recognize when it's not yeah. gonna be good. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it's cool when you push through, but like I don't know if this happens to you, but uh it it'll be I'll like feel feel a song brewing, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh no, I better stop everything right there, I'm yeah. doing. Turn and my phone off. Turn the phone off. Yeah. Put the yeah. computer down. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, <laughs> right. And I gotta like go for a walk usually, and yeah. like having uh, like a body metronome mm-hmm. <laughs> helps a lot. Um, oh, yeah. Just getting uh, getting a lot of flowing. Yeah, the flow. Like if we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about like in like hip hop terms, like <laughs> it, it, it's super important. So um, my friend. Um, um, in Seattle, who is somebody who I, I look up to a lot, and he said to me recently, he came to one of my shows, and he said, you've got great flow. <laughs> like, thanks. I didn't even think thanks. about that. But it, but it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah to, to get that momentum going and yeah. to sort of like take that feeling you get and sort of make sure that it becomes something. Yeah. Because I feel like so often, you know, that doesn't happen. Like uh-huh. you get that feeling and you're not in a place where you can pick up a guitar uh-huh. or start writing and, and you lose it. Right. And then you never get it back. And, and you have like, this half-developed thing that, the great that you song? knew maybe could <laughs> uh-huh. have been something, but now you just can't really. Yeah, yeah. you can't recapture it or oh, whatever yeah. it is. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a tough thing. But I meant actually more specifically like with like rhythm and meter um, yeah. within a song. Yeah. And and I've I've been aware of that aspect of songwriting um, that maybe some people don't. Uh, as much because that's not what their style is, um, right. and uh, and so I was so when he said that to me, I was like, I knew what he meant because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's something that I'm been aware of. Um, so yeah. do you for your records? Are you uh, you don't do you don't use a metronome, do you? Um, we use a click track for the last one. Yeah. You did, yeah. Um, and I think that's really important uh, okay. for um, I mean on so many levels, but also uh, just so you've got a lot of freedom within the recording process to add stuff. right yeah um, absolutely. that's true yeah, but i'm we, just curious about like the way your songs breathe you know yeah and a lot of time we have to like rigid. we yeah, have like, to like go in and modify the click track like or or be like we need to take it out there because that's when the time oh, opens yeah, yeah. up um mm-hmm. and uh yeah so we'll do that a lot in arrangement that's mm-hmm. uh that's good because like what i've what i've heard of your music it's very it's very paced like there's there's a varying of pace within songs a lot yeah, so certainly i don't want to that's why i assumed you weren't yeah but no we do we do and i also play with musicians who've got like a lot of really great sense of rhythm as well oh yeah absolutely. um so uh so that's something that we're all talking about a lot um and uh but yeah having a click track in the studio is really helpful and we've practiced with metronomes as a band i've pl- practiced with the metronome sometimes on my own mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when it comes to playing fiddle tunes oh for sure um uh, yeah so so how did you end up over here in this side of the country montreal toronto uh well the sh- short story is that i fell i followed a french guy to <laughs> montreal he was managing a band at the vancouver folk music festival and i uh, and I was performing as um, as a roving. Uh, it was sort of like, what's what's it called? Like Japanese no theater is essentially what it was inspired out of. But it was kind of like that. That's meets, interesting. Yeah, that meets mm-hmm. like improv yoga almost, or like tai chi. Um, uh, we were called the ladies in white, and we dressed all in like white lace, painted our faces white with like red rosy cheeks and <laughs> and red lips. And there was always we were in like a line or a formation and there would be a leader, but we'd be moving so slowly that, and we'd just pay attention to the person in front of us, that it looked choreographed, even Mm -hmm. though it was totally spontaneous. 
So, uh, so we are invited to perform at the Vancouver Folk Music Festival, just roving around. And you should have seen it. Kids wow. were losing their minds, <laughs> and like parents would run up to us, and we were like, we didn't. We're not supposed to break character. We're yeah. not supposed to talk, right? Yeah. And parents would run up to us and be like, where's my kid? <laughs> they followed you around and I'd have to be like, break away. And be like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's not my responsibility. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but yeah, these these kids would just follow us around. They're just like, yeah. You know, it was, it was something out of, for them, it was like something out of uh, like an anime film, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like yeah. high, high fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, And I suppose I caught the eye of, a French fellow, um, and uh, he uh, and we had like a distance romance for about a mm-hmm. year, and he keeps saying he was kind of come and visit. He had a child, and like you know, there's so many Difficulty, reasons why yeah. he couldn't come. There's only a whole visit. continent between you. So there's right. only like yeah, <laughs> exactly twelve provinces. No, yeah, um, and he uh, so. I don't know why I'm telling this story. Essentially, that like eventually, how you ended up in the... yeah. Eventually, he came out to visit me, then I went to visit him, and I was like, "Well, you can't move to BC, so I'm moving yeah. to Quebec." Yeah. And I had finished my degree at that point. I also cut off all my hair. I was like, "I'm moving," and I graduated, <laughs> and I'm changing. gonna cut off all of my hair. <laughs> Literally, but, you know, all of it. Uh, yeah, it was so short I couldn't feel the wind in my hair. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was about a half an inch long. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you arrived in Quebec. Yeah, yeah. on a cold November when, when day. Was that? November two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. It's a folk song right there. On a cold November day. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you spent uh three years, you said, in Montreal, that yeah. roughly? Yeah, I mean I was touring a lot of that time towards the end. So mm-hmm. um I was there about half the time. But, but that's where you met your band, right? So I met yeah. my band, yeah. Um I remember it was funny because it's like we almost kind of came up at the same time uh-huh. in Montreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you were, people were starting to know your name and talk about uh-huh. you right around the same time that I was yeah. becoming active. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. cool. It kind of felt like. And then I saw you play and I was like, oh, she's way ahead of me. <laughs> well, I don't Actually, even know. I also had a great band who like <laughs> yeah, used supported to call, me used, so well. You used to call them what? The Brilliant String Band? I still what? call them that. They are amazing. They're the totally first time amazing. I saw them was at um, Mainline Theater. Right. We played at the custom outfit. Okay. And I was like, mm-hmm. There was like this magical time in Montreal for, um, it was like before Lake of Stew broke up and mm-hmm. before then Settlers broke up and before, mm-hmm. um, the United Steelworkers yeah, broke Steelworkers. up and yeah. S- Steve Broccoli was living there and mm-hmm. David yeah, Samard was left. living there and, um, and, uh, and Where's yeah. David Samard now? Um, somewhere between Paris and a tiny, tiny town in BC. Oh, okay. Cool. Is this yeah. is this the songwriter David Smart? Okay, yeah. 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 I opened for him at Fog one time. Really sweet guy. Cool. Oh yeah. Really, really, really sweet really guy. Really sweet guy. Was yeah. that when he had the uh, the French horn player? With him? I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. We have another weird connection too that I just remembered, uh-huh. and you have the same weird connection. I used to write about baseball okay. as like a side career thing. Are you going to talk about Dave, Dave Kaufman? Kaufman? Yeah. Oh my oh. God. Because you ended up on the Dave Kaufman show yeah. one of the same times that yeah. I was on there talking about baseball and then I think that was right around the same time you came to Windsor and I remember yeah. kind of realizing oh this is the same person yeah. that's mm. really strange. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I put you in touch with her. I said you should book her. At yeah. And then randomly like I had this contact FM. with Dave Kaufman from writing about baseball and it's just this weird it's like baseball and and you know, baseball and, and, and music. Folk David's music, so like. cool because yeah, yeah. he's so he loves pa- music. He's so passionate on, about yeah. politics, yeah. baseball, and um, and and music. Yeah. And, and, and so those are the three things like, I do. So yeah, that's exactly. like, <laughs> you know, I was on there all the time talking about like the politics of baseball. Right. Like, you know, my Cuban player would 
say that he loved Fidel Castro and I had to go on there and defend Cuba or you know, ah. like things like that. It was like a weird space on TSN, no less, a, mm-hmm. a big I mainstream love, media. I love that. That was part of the biggest reason why I wanted to do it is, yeah. is like, okay, TSN obviously has got a huge listenership um, mm-hmm. and I'm there like in the middle of the night talking yeah, about like folk music morning, right? and, <laughs> and, uh, and like, uh, and you know, there's there's an unfortunate conception that like guys who are into sports aren't like yeah. uh, like are completely myopic and kind of yeah. dumb. Yeah. Um. And, like, and he's not one of them. No, oh, he's no. like no. the thinking man's sports mm-hmm. caster. Yeah. Right? yeah. Except for he doesn't do that now. Like I don't know what he does. I don't. I haven't. I've lost touch with him. Well, I'm out of the baseball writing right. thing, yeah. so I, I just I've lost touch with that whole. That I was on. Uh, I, I met him when I was on Kaufman and Spry. Yeah, because yeah. you had Mike yeah. Spry. That's I knew right. Mike. I went. Mike Spry used to be. Uh, the coordinator for summer literary seminars. Oh, okay. And I went to Lithuania with them. Such a weird web of And so he was like running the program and <laughs> right. I was in Lithuania for a month. And, uh, and What were you I doing in Lithuania? Studying creative writing. Wow. Well, right. it's like workshops sort of thing. It was yeah. insane. Oh, oh I also in forgot to tell you that I was also studying creative writing at the same time as philosophy. Oh. Um, in, There's a connection. Well, yeah. <laughs> and and then in Wales, that's part of the what attracted me to it is that the creative writing program at UBC is extremely competitive. And to get into courses as, as electives um, rather than as a degree um, is even harder. Yeah. So uh, I didn't want to do a, a, a BFA. I knew I wanted to do an academic um mm-hmm degree mm-hmm. in probably philosophy like from the get-go i don't know why i just loved it mm-hmm. um and i get it yeah <laughs> okay yeah. okay cool All right. yeah. not that yeah. um but uh, i mean now i know it would have been much more useful but um <laughs> but i went to wales because there were these really great creative writing courses yeah and i met people who were in the program who uh were writing theater and I got involved in like their theater society there. I did some shows. Um, we did a pantomime, like a dirty huh. pa- pantomime called Beauty and the Beasting. But like beasting, you know, not like a beasting. And no, you got it. Okay. And I played I played the 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 character of of beauty or whatever I like and but she was like a total bimbo. And and, and so when I did the audition they were like, "And you're keeping your accent." Yeah, because it was like I, and I've asked my British friends. I'm like, yeah, does me sounding North American or Make like you sound American, you know, because they can't distinguish. You, they can't distinguish you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, does that diminish my your your concept of my intelligence? And they said, to be honest, yes. Yeah, it does really. <laughs> yeah, That's the English, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it is a stereotype, and yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that I think a lot of like Southern people suffer. From, oh right? yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and like, they, and they're encouraged to, uh, you know, do the received pronunciation mm-hmm. thing of uh, like h- homogenous. Well, how, I mean, American. like I think even in Ontario, like in Ontario, I know, like I grew up in a in a yeah. family that's very has an accent, yeah, like very country Ontario yeah. accent, and I was encouraged to not speak like that at school. Yeah, yeah. when I was young, yeah, cool. it was very it was very conscious, like no, you say it like this, you know, and, mm. and it's been, I can't, I can't even mimic the accent mm. anymore right. because it was so it was totally beaten, like out, beaten of me. out of you. Yeah. Which that's I'm really? a little bit ashamed of because yeah. I, I oh. actually really like the accent. Uh-huh. Like it's really, that's funny. Yeah. I remember it's, I took an acting class like for, for film when I was like a teenager and she said, the first thing you need to do is never say a, um, because you, yeah, automatically I mean, Canadian. Just you're like automatically that. Canadian, yeah. and I don't oh. think I ever, ever said a 
from that point, it's always huh. Yeah. Yeah. Even like in regular conversation. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you've lost your A. I, it, whether or not I had it, I'm not sure. Pretty sure I have I mean, to take your citizenship card now. Yeah, yeah. yeah you like, <laughs> you're done. Yeah, like I say a, but it's I say it a lot. But I don't speak really Canadian. You don't. No. no. Um, my dad. I mean, growing up in Essex County, it's just like it's two more American. Canadian stations and forty American yeah. stations, right. all American radio, right. all American yeah. TV. Well, and Windsor, my dad did a lot of business in the states, so he spoke that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it for me. Windsor is very the the accent in Windsor is very uh, Michigan esque. Uh-huh. It's yeah, less but it's, extreme, but it's there. It's, it's funny how it's a uh, it's cool because I used to think, yeah. oh, we just talk like they do in Michigan, uh-huh. but that's not true. No, we have a, <laughs> a, a distinctive accent. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's a, it's Ontario almost and, a combination of, but not anything like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I want to do like a degree in just studying accents. I think I, I find yeah, it so fascinating. Fa- yeah, it fascinates me too. Totally. Uh, so let's talk about. James, um, Finnerty. Let's talk about James Finnerty. What can well, I say uh, I'm just on curious the about. Podcast. Okay, so well, I don't, I don't mean like that. <laughs> no, I, feel free to say anything. We've been looking for the risque. So. Oh, you know, <laughs> James just, is a friend of mine. Yeah. and it's more for. I've just got a one one funny story about the night that James graduated from school, and I did a show, or we did a show, opening up for a band called He's My Brother, She's My Sister, and they are. Hmm. They're wild, and their bass player is extremely wild. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, and <laughs> that's the story. So how did he get involved in making your record? James, like like this a lot the, of things... This is the first record, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. L- like a lot of things... I didn't even know how... that until like two weeks ago when we had a coffee together. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm like, you know like... Sarah, right? And he goes, no, yeah. I made her a fucking record. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he... um. So it was almost like James sort of found me or there's a serendipitous thing the way that most things have been in my music career. Um, I don't think I would have made a record had I not found the right person and yeah. the right musicians and to work right with. Band, yeah. um, and and in the right context because I had tried to record stuff in the studio and I found it totally painful. Like physically mm-hmm. painful in, in my voice. Oh yeah. Um and playing for so long. Uh and and I should have just known that like <laughs> you know, there's there are EQ things that could happen, um, that could be affecting you too. Or just like the hang, you know, mm-hmm. if you're if the engineer is like being a jerk. Then yeah. Yeah, that's you gonna need, affect you your performance. Yeah. yeah. So the mic spacing, you know, the sound, like sound of everything. I there's find. a lot and of I variables. I really variables. can't picture James being one of those people. No, he's. I mean, James is is intense because he's passionate, mm. but um, but he was really really nurturing, and so he came over to my house with my friend Jenny Burkle. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, you know Jenny. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I think I met Jenny because I've been really good friends with her sister Kristen for a long time. And, uh, and they came over and I had my Appalachian dulcimer and we were sitting on my living room floor and I was just playing and I didn't know who James was or what he did. And, um, and then he said, why don't we do some recording? And I was like, okay, okay. So, um, and then shortly after I went to New Hampshire with, um, Sarah Frank and Luke Fraser and, uh, we went to this camp and then on the way back I was like hey guys do you want to be in a band with me do you want to make a record they're like yeah okay and um, and then we found a bass player and it all kind of unraveled from there after we did a few shows I said well you know I know a recording engineer who's been um, really enthusiastic and he's really open to 
like possibilities that are going to be comfortable for me. Right. So um, we decided to make a live record in a church. It wasn't even in a studio, um, which mm. was great for me. Like we were just all in a circle um, and all the reverb was natural. And, and who um, was the bassist then? Um, Matthew Lacombe. That's right. Yeah. From mm-hmm. Sudbury. Uh, he is from Sudbury or North <laughs> Bay or sort yeah. of yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Uh, close to Timmins, I think is where he's from. Um, anyways. Uh, so, so we made, two records with that band. Um, and, uh, but, but James did the first totally, totally. Oh, live. Matt played on the second record as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. thought you had a different. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Um, so, so, so James made that record with me and, and I had to learn a lot of things during that time. Like, um, don't go on tour while you're making a record. Like basically <laughs> like, you know, be considerate of other people's like time constraints and what they're right. giving to you. Um, and also where my band was concerned too. I didn't realize it was going to be so involved. Um, not that the recording took particularly long, but certainly the rehearsals mm-hmm. and it was right in the middle of like a bunch of things. So we were kind of learning like, you just didn't know how demanding it was going to be. No, I had yeah. no idea. And, uh, and I think maybe I was demanding of James too. Um, and I wanted to make the right record. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I, turned out like for a first record like i feel pretty proud of it it's pretty great yeah, yeah. thanks i have to have it in my it's in my regular rotation actually thanks yeah. Yeah. I, I only <laughs> sing like half those songs anymore but it mm. is bad weather right i do do that yeah. one yeah still yeah it's a great song thanks guys yeah. um yeah so anyways that's so that's how i know james mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so it was just sort of like you met him and then suddenly you're making a record yeah <laughs> yeah and then what happened differently? Like, what what lessons? What were the big lessons you took away when you went into make a second record? You're like, what? What did you consciously choose to do differently? Um, was to have the ability to track. Um, mm-hmm. So I, there are a lot of things that I liked about making that record mm-hmm. um, that we that we brought into it. So a, a lot of the live aspects, um, mm-hmm. we recorded all the beds live, and then the mandolin and fiddle and guitar, uh, sorry, mandolin, fiddle and bass parts live to what our, anyways, and then I was trying to explain this to someone the other day. <laughs> Essentially, they were recording all of their tracks together at the same time, yeah. but, okay. but isolated. And then mm-hmm. I came oh, in later and did my guitar and vocals. Um, I also knew that I needed my sister on there because she's like, she's like yeah. the magic. Anna, that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Anna, that I, that I just put on everything. Um, Nobody sings better than she does. So uh, it was a lot of three-part harmony with myself and Sarah Frank and uh, and Anna. And then uh, we had pedal steel. We had drums. I knew I wanted it to be a little bit more modern sounding. Okay. Um, so I kind of just set uh, Andrew who Collins the, Who played to, the steel? Huh? Who played the steel? Aaron Goldstein. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> He's so wonderful um he plays with daniel romano um ah i knew i knew that name yeah i yeah. met him in windsor once yeah, yeah. played with Dan- daniel romano it was great he's, he's so brilliant. wonderful brilliant brilliant player um both of them are yeah, yeah. Oh, god romano yeah. was was mind-blowing he he opened for um geez, was it eaglesmith he opened for someone he opened mm. for in windsor we organized cool. a show it was a, bit, a bigger show that we had mm-hmm. but yeah he was it was just him and the steel player it was nice. incredible yeah yeah was that recently uh, it would have been when I was still working at FM, so okay. two, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen Daniel uh, just with Aaron before, and mm-hmm. that was, I think that's the oh. only time I've ever seen Daniel do it. And he just, you know. Mind-altering. It was great. That was one of my favorite shows. He is so yeah. good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we, I had a chance to get to know Aaron in particular quite well in um, 
in February of last year, um, they all came to a festival that I was doing in Saskatchewan and, uh, and Daniel doesn't fly. So they were just kind of stuck in the middle of Saskatchewan in February waiting for the next train to come through that I think only came once a week. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so we just played songs all day. Like Aaron had his, had his pedal steel set up in the little, in the middle of the living room. I had my fiddle and my guitar. Daniel had his beautiful guitar. That's got like his name, like inlaid in the mm-hmm. neck, yeah, in the fretboard. It's, it's, it's like so country. It's so country. <laughs> but we, like, like when we were done singing country songs, we just started singing a lot of like Irish songs. Mm-hmm. I remember one night, Daniel got very drunk and just kept singing Pogue songs at me. Like this was the curse of the, of the <laughs> I do iPhone. That a lot. <laughs> well, it's like this is like I know I need really just like I want to go to sleep, and he's like, no, just let me sing you one more song, and he's like, look, you know, he's taking out his phone to look up the lyrics, and I'm like, God, I just wish that we could get to the end, but we can't because you have a phone. You have a phone, yeah. so you, and we're not oh, going to no, run out of songs. One, you know one the more song, and I'm like, just. <laughs> Fuck off, Daniel. Um, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, so that's how I know how I know Aaron, and I asked him to play on the record. He was kind of like the last touch um, that I, we didn't plan to have pedal steel. In fact, we talked about having um, um, Ivan Rosenberg, who is a, a very, very amazing bluegrass uh, uh, dobro player and, mm-hmm. and uh, clawhammer banjo yeah. player. Um, but when I heard Aaron, I, um, and he was, he showed a lot of interest in the record because okay, I had great. I had mixes to show him at that point, and and he didn't say anything critical because he's his own you know he does his own producing as well, but he's like I think you should let me play on that record, <laughs> and so uh, so it I, does really bring it together the pedal steel it it's, really does. it's really a nice yeah. glue almost yeah 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 big time it's just like it's just on a few songs mm-hmm. but it just pushes. It pushes it that much further into the country dimension, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as if it didn't like need to go there. Yeah, <laughs> like just Neither like just in help. case you weren't sure yeah. of what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, let's throw um, some pedal steel. Yeah. yeah, now you'll know. <laughs> and it's not like like that kind of like ambient pedal steel that you'll hear. Like it's straight up country yeah. licks, oh, right? Yeah, like, that's um, what I like. Yeah, for a long time I hated that instrument just because I was so I couldn't get past that sort of ambient, sort of almost Hawaiian and, feel. And I didn't mm-hmm. like that. No, fair and enough. And it wasn't until, like, uh-huh. I told Kevin Moquin that I'm like, oh, fuck, pedal steel, I think that's a shitty instrument. And he's like, no, you're wrong. Uh-uh. I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's also, they call it the Widowmaker because it'll take you until you die to master it, to master right? It. Yeah. So, um, and there's a lot of different styles of playing it. Uh, there's people who play jazz on a pedal steel. Like, and if you've got that dexterity, then you can really, really express yourself. Yeah. Crazy. Mm. Um, Mike Eckert is uh, is a young pedal steel player in in Toronto who does it really really well. Also, there's a fellow named Bob Tyfer who's kind of like the king of like jazz on pedal steel. Oh, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> Toronto's got some incredible pedal steel players. Um, Burke Carroll as well, and then Aaron. Um, but but Aaron's style was kind of like. Like I fell in love with it, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, like I, I, that's what I want. That's the sound you wanted. Yeah. So, um, so the lessons that I learned from the making of the first record was basically have your shit together. Like, yeah. know what you're doing before you get into the Planet, studio, yeah. because it, you're gonna save time and money and just like endurance, men- mm-hmm. mental endurance. If you want to get a good performance, you really don't want to take more than three to five takes. Right. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're gonna kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so uh and then like the live aspect too like that's how you get the right energy yeah Yeah. so but then you know andrew collins is is had you know a lot of things to work with within his his studio like we we could basically do whatever we wanted yeah you could have Mm -hmm. Uh, all the isolation and everything yeah, yeah i'm like but but without having like separate chambers and stuff like that like it's we were able to isolate things enough with the baffling and the microphones, mm-hmm. but um, but still, I feel like we're in the same room, and yeah. there's like a dog hanging out. And we're like drinking <laughs> coffee nice. and like smoking mm-hmm. a bit of weed, and um, it felt uh, really, really uh, like for lack of a better word, organic. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so so I I yeah. Anyways, those are the things I yeah. learned. Also, yeah, just be aware of what. Always be aware of what your expectations are of others and what their expectations are of you, mm-hmm. um, because you will ultimately come up with, yeah, to like, glitches now and again, like of things that were that had been assumed that weren't. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I've run into that problem making mm-hmm. records before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that weren't communicated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you state everything out, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, I'm getting better at that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's good in just life, everything. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. but there's some people who don't want to. And a lot of people take the opposite stance with recording that they'd, they'd like it to be an organic uh-huh. thing. And I mean, like, I, I find that with smaller groups that works better. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're recording a record that's, you know, very insular, maybe you and one other person, mm-hmm. then yeah, maybe that sort of spontaneity and that organic thing works. Right. Like, I know I did that with Johnny West, where it was like, we didn't mm-hmm. even know what we wanted to do with the song. Mm-hmm. We'd record it and then... Oh, let's try this and see if it works. If it's just the two of you guys, the two of us, it's very different than having a band. And 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 I didn't have a particular vision. It was just kind of like, oh, I have these songs. Let's Mm -hmm. do something with them. And it's exciting just to see like different recording styles and stuff that has Mm -hmm. has come out of uh, of trying different things. Yeah. However, Mm -hmm. yeah, you do want to be really careful. Yeah. About um, working with the right people if you're doing it that way. Mm -hmm. And then the record was uh, nominated for. Yeah, we're talking about the new record. Yeah. Yeah, the cape. The cape was nominated for two. Canadian Folk Music Awards this year. What were the awards? Uh, Traditional Album of the Year and Traditional Singer of the Year. So I guess I was nominated for that. Um, (laughs) Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, uh, Yeah, and and a lot of good things have have happened that way. I can basically, you know, send an email and be like, we were nominated for this award, so I don't have to tell you that it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You don't have to try and convince anyone. You just, it's known. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the Canadian Folk Music Awards are definitely, um, like gaining momentum. They've only been mm-hmm. around for the last five years, but, uh, The CBC has been taking them up as, like, they've been really pushing them. I keep hearing yeah. different, like, about that. Yeah. Us, but they really, they really seem to care about pushing that brand. Totally. So it's good. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important because, um, they were, they were created because the, um, people within the folk music community in particular, uh, a lot of people working for Borealis Records, okay. um, were getting quite frustrated that there was no room in the Juno Awards to be a, a like uh, awarding, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> you know, to be giving out awards for folk music. There was just yeah. like, there's a roots and traditional album, but like the people who win that are like, yeah, they're not n- neither. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's I too mainstream, basically. It, yeah, it can't, it can't, it does not equip to handle the sort of big time marginal mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So yeah. and so when you've got a band like Shishim and Lotus who are doing mm-hmm. like 
very traditional, uh, like old timey, mm-hmm. um, sometimes like even archival stuff, or uh, or traditional Canadian music, or um, like First Nations music. First, yeah, I was gonna say First um, Nations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then you've got like a singer songwriter who like uh, is sort of pseudo country. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's important to be able to make those distinctions. Yeah. Um, uh, but. <laughs> You know, here I was being in a category of folks like myself who are like writing original music as well as folks who are uh, are doing traditional music, like mm-hmm. world music even. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So um, uh, like uh, Ventanas was, uh, the band Ventanas was uh, uh, in the same category as me and then Sherry Alrick was in the same, mm-hmm. and Koig from uh, out east. Um we're in the same category. So it was, it was kind of a, a smattering and a, but mm-hmm. like a huge honor for sure, because yeah. like everyone was so talented. Um, and, and kind of like, I suppose like sort of cutting edge for what they're, yeah. you know, for the styles that they're doing, like they all did it really well and mm-hmm. like, um, uh, and very, yeah, they were well researched. So stuff. you went to the award show then? I didn't. Yeah. You know, you didn't know why? Go? It was because I was leaving on a train that uh, night. That night. Yeah. yeah. And I really wanted to go. I, we didn't win, but it would have been really, really fun to go. Yeah, to anyway. yeah just to go yeah. and mm-hmm. see what it's like. Yeah, and especially yeah. like to be nominated for two awards. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was a nice thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that was that. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you want to play a song? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I'll sing you a song. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I was on tour this... Uh, March in um in rural Manitoba and it was very cold out and I did the first uh, concert in a house concert series. Home roots. Yeah, and it was really really fun and I had gone dog sledding, uh like I, like totally mushing uh, these crazy couple of dogs, brother and sister named Trudeau and Luna, and uh, and I was driving away from this beautiful house and. Um, thinking a lot about my family and this uh uh this truck flew by and uh and threw a rock up on this gravel road and cracked my windshield of my rental car and I was like oh damn it so um that bummed me out for a little bit but having all that solitude helped me uh write some songs during that tour I actually had kind of a good productive uh, couple of weeks and this is song a song that I've been writing about my brother because he um he suffers from bipolar um and and uh it's hard for him to like keep down a job and stuff like that um but he's probably the most intelligent and and uh warm loving non-judgmental people I can think of so it makes me sad that the world just won't move over for him but he's gonna figure it out. So this is a song for him. When we were young, our mother said, show him kindness, cause he'll be bigger than you someday. And if faith is believing in something bigger than yourself, then I'm a reverend, cause I hang on each word you say. And I would crack the world if it meant letting you light in. That's my heart beating in your chest. And I would crack the world if it meant letting you light in. You're the one that I love the best. 
girl dancing on the head of a needle And you're a ghost that ruffles cut out dolls And if it's too much pressure to be the next messiah Then be Bukowski and we'll still all be going to hell and I would crack the world if it meant letting you light in That's my heart beating in your chest And I would crack the world if it meant letting you light in You're the one I love the best Hold on to because I can hardly see Be my brother, be my guide Now I've come on home to your interview with Sarah Jane Scouten. We hope you liked it. I'm not the type of person that uh, likes hyperbole. I tend to consider myself to be allergic to it, actually. So I want you to take what I'm about to say uh, with that in mind. Our, our guest in two weeks is a very good friend of both Derek and mine. Uh, his name is James Owell. He's, he's from Harrow, Ontario, which is the same hometown, of course, that Derek himself is from. And Derek and I both have had many conversations about James Well and the Villains, James's main band. And we really believe that that band is defining a sound that we personally haven't heard before. James is a very good musician, but I think what the what James Well and the Villains has become very good at is that they're able to combine genres, whether it's punk, folk, rock, and these things might sound like they're easily combined and that many bands actually do it. But the way that James Owell and the Villains does it 
seems to create a sound that, personally speaking, I've never heard before. And that leads us to think that they may actually be treading ground that has never been tread on before. And that's something that not, not very many musicians can say. Most of us borrow from genres or other acts very heavily. And although we might have a unique sound, we're not defining a new genre. I think James Owell might actually be defining a new genre. And we have him on the show in two weeks. So in the meantime, where can you find us? You can find us at uh, iqmjpod.com. That is our main website. Of course, you can you can listen to episodes there. You can, you can look at our archives, get all the back episodes you want. Uh, you can find out tour information. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Derek Harrison's band, The Old Salts, or one of his bands, one of his projects, is about to go on tour in the next few days. So if you'd like details about that tour, of course, you can find The Old Salts on Facebook. But you can also check out their tour dates on our website. That's iqmjpod.com. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so at iqmjpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at iqmjpod. If you listen to us on SoundCloud, you can do so by going to soundcloud.com slash iquitmyjob with dashes between those words. And of course, you can find us on iTunes by searching I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting. And you can rate and or review us on there. And we'll see you in two weeks. I quit my job, I quit my job, I quit my job, I'm free today.